Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Hey, Robin. Episode four. And I'm Robin French, Vice President of Concierge Relations. And we have a VIP guest today, which we're really excited about. You want to introduce our guest? I will. Thanks, Robin, for doing this every week with me. I really enjoy enjoy. doing this with you. I am so thrilled, full of gratitude, happy, and all of that, that my uh, bestie, Dr. Louise Stanger, is with us today. Louise, Dr. Louise, thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, you're one of my closest friends, or either that or we spar like brother and sister. Always, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we have an amazing relationship, and Louise truly is one of my best friends and, and really amazing colleagues. And, you know, before I read uh, Dr. Stanger's bio, I want to say this that <clears throat> Louise Stanger flew a couple of years ago from uh, Los Angeles to Austin when I was living in Austin. And it was on a Saturday and we were having a Christmas party. And about two hours before the big Christmas party started, I got a phone call that my mother was dying and that I needed to get to Houston. Mm -hmm. And, um, And so I said, I have to leave. And Dr. Stanger, uh, who had just flown and came into Austin, jumped in my car, and I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm going to be with you, Aww. with your mother. And so she oh, talked to me. <laughs> so Louise talked to me. I call her Louise. It's Dr. Stanger, of course. But Dr. Stanger talked to me all the way to Houston, stayed by my mother's bedside with me until my mother passed away about 1 o'clock in the morning. Aww. And that's how close we are. That's so, a special friend. Yeah. Always, always remember, I will always remember and cherish that day. And so thank you for being here, Louise. I love you. You know, Dr. Louise Stanger focuses on strength-based solutions and invitational change. Uh, She is an Ivy League award winner, the 2019 Interventionist of the Year from DB Resources in London and the acclaimed McLean Hospital, an affiliate of Harvard. She's an educated social worker, a popular author, internationally renowned clinician, interventionist and speaker, and she's also an expert on mental health, addiction, process disorders, and one of my favorite topics that we love to talk about, chronic pain. She gets to the heart of the matter in helping families because she's passionate, like I am, about bringing hope to healing to loved ones. Dr. Stanger developed and refined her invitational method of mental health and substance abuse interventions using the well-established research methodology of portraiture. She has performed thousands of family interventions throughout the United States and really abroad. 
She's received numerous awards for her years of dedication in the field, uh, in the fields of intervention and recovery. In addition to her experience, Dr. Louise is a published author whose work covers a range of topics, including mental health, substance use disorder, and well-being, the opiate epidemic, marijuana, other drugs, parenting, high wealth clients, finding happiness, spirituality, failure to launch, and chronic pain and pain management. She also uh, publishes on family and many more topics. Her book, Falling Up, which is one of my favorite books, is a memoir of renewal. It's available on Amazon and to, <clears throat> excuse me, and Learn to Thrive, an intervention guidebook through Rutledge Press. Her third book hits the streets this November 19th, 2020. Congratulations, mm -hmm. Dr. Stinger. Yeah. It's, it's titled Addiction in the Family, a Guide for Caring for Yourself and, self and Your Loved One. I am so proud of you. My gosh. Yeah. I know. Thank you. They just changed the title of that third book again, but that's the publisher. So um, <laughs> I'll be sure to have you get one of the first copies on it. And, uh, Absolutely. That, but I'm very excited that um, it'll be out by November. And I think it'll be a real help for anybody who is worried about a loved one. Yeah. It's sort of the guidebook that maybe I wish that you and I had because both of us, I know, I hope I'm not sharing anything, grew up in families beset with, well, for me, mental health, substance abuse, chronic pain, suicide, you name it, they'd experience. And if only I had a book like that, yeah. maybe it would help me sooner. So many times families have no idea where to turn. And I can name family after family after family that just who I've met over the years that said, if I just had a guide, if I knew something to, mm -hmm. to look at, and, and Dr. Stanger is filling this space. So congratulations, I'm so excited. So what is your connection besides being in the same industry? With the she two and of, I? Yeah, yeah oh, the two of you. Oh, seeing it, well, I grew up in a family. I'm what you know in, in, in the vernacular, I'm what you call an adult child of an alcoholic, mm -hmm. or I also, I'm a family member of people that have experienced um, substance use disorders, mental health issues, um, suicide, suicide, um, sudden death. So, um, you know, Robin, I'm just going to invite you to follow up and um, I'll make sure that you get a copy of Falling Up Thank or you. you can get it off of Amazon. And then you can, you'll know a little bit about me. Um, because when you got to be about in the late 60s, you were able to write uh, your memoir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. And that's kind of how our she and I are kindred spirits really is because we've been through so many of the same things. So many mm -hmm. of our family members have been affected by substance use disorder, by addiction, by mental health challenges. Um, all the things that Dr. Louise is an expert in, we both share a passion. And we're both also academicians. And we love that piece and we love to go back and forth and talk about academia and writing and we've written articles together we need to write a book together we lecture all yeah. over the world together um and we love spending time together so that's our yeah. connection and, yeah and i would love that because not that many people in our field are came in from academia and obviously i was a professor for over 30 years at one university director of alcohol and other drug services and another and i held five million dollars worth of nih which niaa grants which means national institute of health national institute of alcohol abuse and they were really 
public health harm reduction. And when you think about Dr. Flowers and you think about Flowers Health Institute, you're really talking about integrative wellness and ways to reduce risk for those um, clients that he serves and for the greater community. So we come in with a little bit of a different eye Mm -hmm. than just someone who comes in rightly so because they experienced a loved one or they themselves are in recovery from substance use disorders. Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Dr. Stinger, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your personal journey, speaking of. Let's talk about your personal journey just a little bit. Oh my goodness, so um, I guess it has been said that I was born on a fault line of of, of terror or something or other. So when I was, um, uh, my, I came from a long line of lawyers, voice traders, judges, very prim and proper. And I can remember sitting at a, a dinner table and I was about seven. And um, they used to say I had bad table manners. And they were <laughs> sort of not good enough. That's sort of what Brene talks about. You're suddenly not good enough. But the phone rang. And my mother left abruptly. Mm-hmm. And that night, there was a lot of hurry and flurry. And they put me to bed in this, what I thought at that time as a little girl, was this great big bed with stained glass windows with cherubs on it. And, and later that night, there was this sort of a strange breath on my mother, which really was alcohol. And another gentleman came to me and they said, your father. He's in heaven. And I looked up at the stained glass and I thought, perhaps I don't know what that means. And in those days, you weren't allowed to go to funerals. You weren't allowed to experience anything. But we're just going to fast forward. I was in third grade and it was I didn't really want to go back to school. And so I was on the playground and I was sort of by myself. And as oftentimes children do, we could connect stories. Mm-hmm of why things happen. And I could tell you that I know why my dad died because, of course, he was like Superman. Uh He had been taken out by kryptonite in those days, Superman. And I was sure that's what happened because nobody would tell me why until one day I was on the playground and little Ruthie Ann with her long Uh red pigtails came dancing by. And what did she say? Louisanne, Louisanne, do you know what happened to your dad? And of course, I didn't want to tell her he was taken out by kryptonite. And so I sort of was silent. And then without a speck, without a drop, she said he hung himself with a tie. That was my introduction to mental health, to trauma, and to the fact that there was addiction running rampant in my family. So I come by my passion for wanting to help people Mm -hmm. um, by that, but also by some wonderful people. What I know so wonderful about recovery and about treatment and like the services that Dr. Flowers offers is there's always someone along the way who helps you right for me there was a camp uh, an owner of a camp um and he was head of what you call the irene kaufman center he was a social worker and his name was leon rubenstein and my mother was smart enough 
or lucky enough to send me away to camp yeah. that summer. Yeah, absolutely. And he became a mentor for up nice. until the time I was 16. So I could go there, I could play, I could shoot bows and arrows, I could do things. And somebody pre created a holding environment. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there were many people like that, but no doubt, you know, that's where my passion comes from. Similar to mine, exactly. Similar story. And yours? Yeah. If you shared yours, I don't know whether Dr. Yeah. Flowers He his. did in an earlier episode. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you had mentioned earlier, too, you, when you, you don't necessarily work one-on-one, -on -one, it's with the entire family? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that change, um, nothing changes. I have in one of my books, I have a chapter that says, nothing changes till everything changes. And if you just take, and I call the IP or your identifier or your client, I call it an ILO and identify the loved one mm -hmm. because therefore the grace goes you or I. Yeah. Um, and so if you just take someone in isolation, um, mm -hmm. And you try and change them without changing people, places, things, thoughts, feelings, and actions. Mm -hmm. I think you're really lost. And so 97% of my work, even though I may help something back to treatment, is changing that, that family system or that estate attorney. Or in your cases, there's estate attorneys, there's personal assistants, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. hairdressers, there's all kinds of different people. If those people don't change or learn how to develop healthy ways of protecting their boundaries or theirs. And I call boundaries, compassionate directness, uh -huh. nothing's going to change. Or the person that you've been working with, you cannot possibly send home. Like, I know that, I know I can share without breaking anonymity, uh -huh. you know, uh, last year I had the opportunity to work with Dr. Flowers by a family. Uh -huh. And I and the person called me and asked me if I would intervene on, say, their wife or their husband. Uh -huh. And after I did some due diligence, I said, you know, I can't do that intervention on that loved one. What I suggest is you go to Dr. Flowers first uh -huh. because you have some issues. And so we, in order for that other person to get help, this person had to get help first. That's right. And it was a beautiful story and it and it turned out amazingly well for both of us and most especially for the family. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that gentleman came from California and did an evaluation and really learned about himself, his own role in his wife's addiction, his own role in his marriage, and, and then really began to work with Dr. Stanger in a consultative way, therapeutic way. And then the wife came for evaluation and treatment. And then Dr. Stanger did a family program. And uh, so it was just a beautiful dance with the husband and the wife that really had an impact on the greater family. And they're doing fantastic today. I can't imagine that that's easy, though. I mean, can you think, think about your family when you were young mm -hmm. and with your story and someone like Dr. Mm -hmm. Stenger coming in and trying to change or sure. that? I it mean, is difficult. Not everybody's difficult ready is... to receive it, right? Not everybody's open to change and it has to be very difficult. And especially difficult in the families that Dr. Stanger specializes in, which is high net worth, high wealth, oh. uh, celebrity type families. Dr. Stanger, why don't you tell Robin and the audience that we're listening to a little bit about your experience and advice that you have in working with uh, high net worth families and individuals? Well, 
I mean, high acuity, high net wealth families are hard because there's always a resource. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're looking for leverage, if um, you can go buy a Maybach, for example, which is a very expensive car, or you can go rent a house on the East Coast of the Hamptons, or you can rent a luxury estate in Malibu, you know, it's very difficult to intervene. So how then you begin to do it. A lot of the work, and Dr. Flowers and I were privileged to present several times for um, financial management companies, mm -hmm. private wealth management companies, because sometimes what happens with private wealth management as well as estate planners, estate attorneys, is are, there's already a clause inside of the agreements that if something happens to a loved one, whether it is the top CEO or child, they have a way of sort of delegating money in a, in a more helpful way mm -hmm. to help people do things. You know, when someone has everything, um, the other day I was working with a family on Bless Their Soul, they were complaining that a young person bought a thousand pair, a thousand dollar Louis Vuitton pair of shoes. And I said, well, you know, and that they had taken somebody else's charge card. And I said, well, you could stop that right away. You could just um, have the charge card. And the person didn't even know because they had so many layers of how even to protest a charge card, mm -hmm. even to do that. So working with families with high wealth and high acuity, you know, a lot, some is leverage, some is also, you know, you want privacy and discreetness. You don't want your face on TMZ, let's face mm -hmm. it. That's right. Um, you know, and you sometimes being that identified patient or identified client um, that's in the middle of um, either a histrionic episode or an addiction that they're in the middle of, oftentimes the management team around them, the agents, the housekeepers, uh, the lawn folks, anyone that works for them is afraid to approach them and talk about the problem sure. because that's their money train. Mm -hmm. And that's so, right. yep. so a lot that's of times, uh, Dr. Louise and I have participated in interventions together where she's asked me to be a piece of it with one particular family uh, that, that we worked together a couple of years ago. And at that intervention was she, the, the patient walked into the room and the mother and the father were sitting there and her nanny, this woman is 43, her childhood nanny was there, her gardener was there, her housekeeper was there, her cook was there, her driver was there, her mother's driver was there, her father's driver the was there. Village. The whole village of team that worked for the family were all in this intervention together, wow. along with the mom and the dad and other family members and, and urging this person to get treatment. And, mm -hmm. and had they not all been there, mm -hmm. she probably would not have gone. And uh, but through Dr. Stinger's magic, of course, it happened. <laughs> yeah, but Dr. Flowers is, is is no slouch. He's fun to team with. Let me tell you, when we we're together, it's sort of a very powerhouse kind of team um, because it's. And also, by the way, I never do an intervention alone. I always team with someone team. who I think is expert and matches well. Yeah. Um, Why is it that yeah. you team with someone? Because so many interventionists want to do the intervention completely alone. And well, I've known you for years and you've never done an intervention alone, which I love. So talk about that for just a second. Yeah, I think it's arrogant and foolhardy, I guess, to be exact. You know, you're not a lone ranger. And I know that some people 
you know, think of them as cowboys and Indians. First of all, there's more than one group that you're intervening on. There's the identified loved one, and that identified loved one, you're you planning on getting to yes, mm-hmm. and yet, and you might go through a thousand no's before you get to yes. Mm-hmm. We have a saying: Eskimos have a thousand words for snow. We've heard a thousand words for no, and yes, the plane doesn't leave till two o'clock. That's right. It's only it's only ten in the morning, but at the same time. While you're focusing on that, there is an event, there are a group of people right here that now have had an event and they need to be able to process because mm-hmm. they are have to be, while well, they're part of the problem, they're vital to the solution. Mm-hmm. So someone needs to stay back and to process with them to set up what I call solution-focused family recovery coaching and I, you know, I work in a concierge fashion, just like Dr. Flowers does. Mm-hmm. But you cannot just assume because you went in there and you got someone to yes, because and that person that transports them is equally as important mm-hmm. because that person is number one joining up with that person. They are taking them to treatment. So whether they're playing music they like, whether they're talking about something other than that their job is to make sure the consent forms are signed Uh and that's what so we can follow and those are progress only and and i stay back 97 percent of the time because my job is to help this family deprocess an event let them know what the rules of the road are how can they contact their loved one you know what should they be looking out for how do they worry what to worry um etc etc and then to give them homework assignments yeah and sometimes you even bring security with you yes oh yes in fact i just the other day and sometimes when you're dealing with a high profile client Mm-hmm. Um, or you're dealing with something that you do not feel is safe, uh-huh. then um, oftentimes I tend to work with several different, but when we talk about security and we've actually done training for them, uh-huh. so it's not like, oh, we just hired a hired gun. Most of the time they're ex-Navy SEALs, Israeli Secret Service, and they're used to being with high profile high wealth kinds of people and a lot in the entertainment field as well. But one, you would do that for discreteness. The other thing is safety concerns. Uh If you have someone who is acting out, who you know has a history of oppositional behavior, Uh albeit a a, a college freshman, Uh female, who's gonna yell and scream all the way through the airport, or a high-profile celebrity, this can be just a wonderful, wonderful adjunct. And they're trained in mental health and in substance use, et cetera. Yeah, amazing. You know, uh, real briefly, if you will, how do you as an interventionist pick a treatment center for somebody? How do you know in your mind when you're doing an intervention or when you're learning about that client uh, prior to doing the intervention. I know that your mind is often ticking and going through treatment center options and things like that. What's your process? How do you choose the best treatment center for that person? So before I ever do anything, I use a research methodology called portraiture, which was a way of interviewing. And believe me, I learned it when I was working with the with Columbia School of Social Work when 9-11 happened and the widows and firemen mm-hmm. of 
your fire department. And really it's a qualitative research question. So research process. So I interview everyone individually or myself and my teammate, because we want to get a picture of the identified loved one. Mm -hmm. So say Dr. Flowers was the ILO. <laughs> He's the ILO. Could be. So <laughs> that's it. So if, and say, Robin, you were the first caller. Well, you have a particular picture in your head about Dr. Flowers, but I might ask you, who else is really important to him? And who else do you think is really important to him? And may I interview them? And obviously if there's parents, there's parents. And I'll interview them all individually. And what mm -hmm. that's called is triangulation of data. But each person knows Dr. Flowers or the identified loved one in a different setting. Sure. And so sometimes you'll garner bits and pieces because my job is to one, click off clinically, what does this look like? A good social history, it's called a robust biopsychosocial I'm doing um, in there. And then what would be the best possible treatment center or best possible evaluation mm -hmm. center? Right. And then my obligation ethically is to um, give three recommendations because I'm not related to any treatment center to the to the cop to the payer okay. connect them let like um dr flowers team for example know i have such and such you know i'd like i'm gonna have them call i think they'd be a great fit i'm gonna give you a little bit about them mm -hmm. and um if i really believe there's only one place that's good i will do that and you know sometimes i know with high wealth high acuity families Honestly, a place like Dr. Flowers Health Institute is really perfect. Why? Because you've got people with their objections and you've got to understand what the objections are. That's right. I can't be away. Right. Yeah. I'm just too important. I need to have access to A, B, C, D, and E. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, off and also I had a family once they had already been in treatment for over 200 days. I had Zippo idea. And before me, they had been in three treatment centers. Mm. In all fairness, I could not recommend anything but Dr. Flowers because I wouldn't have known, I would not have put them in another traditional setting. They had both acute mental health and acute substance use um, and there was no, and, and they needed a good eval because obviously everything else that had been done, in, including a 5150, mm -hmm. including uh, heroic rescues, just doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Dr. Stinger's been doing this for so long. Also, your clinical knowledge of each treatment center and many treatment centers around the country, you have those treatment centers that you trust, that you know that you validate in your mind that are important clinically or clinically significant. So thank you for that. I have one more question and then I want to talk about your third book. But first of all, I want to ask you one more question. And that is, is, you know, the topic, the, the title of this podcast really is understanding the human condition. And I want to ask you with who you are today and the things that you've been through and the trauma that you've lived through and, uh, losing a husband, losing a son, 
the things that you've been through with your your three beautiful, amazing children, daughters, who are all good friends of mine as well. How do you come to understanding your human condition of who you are today? Oh, my gosh. That's a tough question. Thank you. Um, you know, for today, I'm in the moment. Yeah. And I think being in the moment is really important. You know, there's yes. always, always hiccups and hurricanes along the way uh -huh. and um, you know I think uh, today I've been really focusing in the last seven months in COVID on, on creating abundance yes. and being grateful. We know from the researcher Edmonds that if you do a grateful list but not just like I'm grateful for James, I'm great, really specific grateful list every day you will change your outlook on life. And yeah. I grew up a lot of times with the glass half full uh -huh. and I could sort of go down catastrophe lane and pretty path road and martyrdom alley if I chose to. But today I'm working really consciously on taking the moment and being grateful for what's there and trying to create abundance for myself and for uh -huh. the clients and the people that I work with. I love that. I think that's amazing. And, and again, I've watched you do it for years and, and you do it well. You also, by the way, are teaching the first university course in the United States on invitations to change with the University of Wisconsin. And I am so excited about that. Can, can you briefly tell everybody in our last few minutes about your course that you're teaching at uh, University of Wisconsin? Well, I am night now. I've got this whole desk full of all these worksheets and everything. So I'm putting together, they invited me to put together a 12-week course based on the Definitive Guide to Addiction Intervention, mm -hmm. which is a textbook that was commissioned by Rutledge. I am going to start filming, I guess, in November. I want you, we have to figure out, I have to figure out the platform because they don't use Zoom. I'd love you to be a guest on it. Well, I would love to. And this course, the cool thing about it, one, it's the first university course in the country on invitations to change or interventions. Woohoo! So Finally. amazing. Um, and that means a lot to me personally. In it can be accessed in perpetuity, mm -hmm. which means it has to be relevant. So it's going to be a one semester class. This is going to be taught over and over and over again yeah, for many I years. Can access yeah, access at any time. And I'm going to be learning. I'm sort of excited and nervous. I mean, okay. I said, sure, I can film a 12 week course. I don't even have a ring light yet. <laughs> you don't know the word no either. <laughs> I know you've got to get yourself a ring light. Yeah. Wrapping things up, Dr. Stanger, what would you give advice for living your best life? Oh, my gosh. My gosh. Um, I guess, you know, don't be afraid if you need help to ask for help. Um, yeah. I've had wonderful mentors along the way, um, talented uh, clinicians. I think that, you know, people in the helping profession think they can help themselves. That's not true. Um, you know, I guess uh, one of the things that children with autism have taught me is it a big problem? Is it a little problem? There you uh, go. Is it solvable? Is it not solvable? Um, and not something that I try and do because catastrophe lane <laughs> and victim yeah. alley could pop up. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid because everybody um, has their own story. 
And, you know, oftentimes we confabulate and we come up with this SFD, which is a shitty first draft. But our goal is to rewrite our stories. And I believe everybody has that potential. Uh It's not easy. It requires hard work, surrender, and a willingness to take some direction. Yeah. Well, I think you live your best life every day. And if everyone could see over your left shoulder right now, they'd see these beautiful boats out in Marina Del Rey. I'm so blessed. I wish we were all there with you. She lives right on the water in Marina Del Rey. I'd love to come visit soon. Thank you for taking time to do this today. Thank you to the audience for listening in. Thank you, Dr. Stenger. It's great to meet you finally. Oh, thank you, oh. Robin. Thank you, Dr. Flowers. You guys will carry you in my heart. You enrich my soul. Thank you so much. Mm. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Bye Bye-bye. now. And Dr. Flowers, if someone wants to. Well, let me ask this, Dr. Oh, yeah. Stenger. If someone wants to reach you, how, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, yes, for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and also, I am my own personal <laughs> assistant. That's right. I don't know how that happened, but it's 619-507-1699. They can always reach out to my website. They can Google me. Okay. Um, it's Stanger, S-T-A-N-G-E-R, not Stranger. Um, they can reach out through my website, um, which is a chat box, and or they can email me which is that long-winded email that I've had forever, drstanger at allaboutinterventions.com. And your website is allaboutinterventions.com. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. And Dr. Flowers, how do they reach everyone here at the J. Flowers Health Institute? You bet. You can call us at 713-783-6655 or go to jflowershealth.com. Dr. Stanger, Robin, thank you for being a part of this with me today. I certainly enjoyed it. Let's do it again. Thank you. Till next time. Till next time. See you next week, everyone. Bye.